This week's episode of Screen Talk is sponsored by Amazon Studios presenting Sound of Metal, directed by Darius Martyr. Riz Ahmed stars as a drummer adapting to his new world of silence after losing his hearing. Now nominated for five Critics' Choice Awards, including Best Picture, a WGA Award for Outstanding Original Screenplay, and Riz Ahmed is nominated for a Golden Globe and SAG Award for Best Actor. Sound of Metal is now streaming on Prime Video. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And as usual, at this time of year, even in a strange calendar for awards season, the news is picking up. We've got the WGA nominations, which came out this past week, and there's a lot for us to dig through there. As usual, what we're seeing is some reflection of Academy member support from a very specific branch that's very influential. But it's also worth noting one of the things we're seeing here is certain films that have support that aren't necessarily the big movies because some of the big movies didn't actually qualify like Nomadland. So why don't you walk us? Yeah. So so this basically with something like this, the movies that are included get a little bit of a boost, a little momentum going forward. The ones that aren't included, if they're not eligible, it doesn't mean anything. Tarantino never gets in because he's not a member. It's a very strict eligibility rule. And if you aren't uh, a signatory to the WGA, you don't get allowed to be part of the awards, period. So Mank is out. Also, Jank F- Jack Fincher. I'll just read out the, the list. Uh, anything animated is out. So Soul would be a very likely contender. Those Pixar movies never, never get into this ballot. And then you have something like um, Minari isn't included. Uh, uh, Let Them All Talk, the Soderbergh movie, The Father, a lot of the European films, uh, The the Life Ahead, uh, The Pieces of a Woman, Emma, uh, Ammonite, uh, David Copperfield, The Personal History of, you know, all of these things, these people are not, eligible so if but if you if you didn't get in and you were eligible given all the extra space created here that's that's bad too so the five bloods again uh, you know looks a little bit vulnerable it should have probably uh gotten in or and and then for the five bloods to go from a movie that was released pretty early that's the issue i think i really think it's been uh, it's been since uh june Right. It was originally yeah. going to be in, in Cannes in, in May. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, it's, people have been talking about to five bloods. It's, a, you know, for a long time, but it was always an issue. How is it going to sustain itself this long? Yeah. I mean, I think that the campaign for that movie has probably surprised even the campaigners in the sense that, you know, that it got some some notable critics prizes and so forth that have kept it out there. And he's been Spike has been honored. The goodwill is there. But it is a question also of the screenplay and whether writers are the ones who respect that movie versus other questions of say the film. I agree with that. I don't think that, that necessarily the script is going to be the strongest suit. I think that to five bloods is one of the few films with a great deal of scope. You know, it's got, it's got, it's a very beautifully made war movie. Uh, I mean, they went to Thailand, they did the whole schmear and there aren't very many movies that, that actually offer that kind of filmmaking scope. I would, I would hope that he would have a very strong shot at director. Well, it's it's another like Black Klansman. It's another one of these Frankensteinian screenplays where somebody else wrote it and then Spike came in and Spike Lee filtered it, you know, and And Kevin Wilmot. 
Yeah. And, and I think you feel it in a more overt way in this particular case, because this project had been around for a while. I mean, Oliver Stone was attached at one point to a version of this story and then Spike turned it into something else. And I think it's, it's, it's more about sort of talking about how Spike did his Spike Lee joint effect to this story. And also, obviously, the performances, Delroy and Lindo and so forth, and the question of whether they're still in the conversation. So it, When I did my last analysis, um, looking at, and I'm looking at it all the time, I sort of, this is the time of year where I get sort of weirdly obsessive about looking at all the different prediction charts and sort of trying to figure out where things are. And it's hard because... I'm not talking to as many people as I ordinarily would be if I was out and about. I would be gleaning. I would be seeing how movies play with an audience, which is an enormous thing, you know? And so um, you, you, we have uh, less information. Clearly, there's a lot of support for Five Bloods. Clearly, it, it's in the running. It's just that it's there's a whole lot of movies sort of splitting the pie. And they include Maraini's Black Bottom, One Night in Miami, Trial of the Chicago 7, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is coming up strong as a late release. Really and Nomadland is, is bridging both worlds where it came up strong as a festival movie but now it's coming out and so yeah. people are are getting a new whiff of info on it i i think we should touch on no man land too given that it's not on this release but very much seems like it is a major player maybe still the front runner given just how widely beloved that movie is i i revisited it this past week and i think one of the things that's striking about it as a major best picture contender is that it is a very small movie in terms of its story in terms of its arc you know so much of a, a performance driven narrative that performance is so uh much kind of like the centerpiece of how the story moves forward so i'm really fascinated by it what a powerful contender it is and i'm also sort of curious to see whether or not that continues i mean on top of the wga nominations today uh, Searchlight managed to get this cover story in New York Magazine written by our former colleague Allison Wilmore. And I thought it was it was significant that they chose to, you know, right they now... They put Zhao on the cover. Yeah, I know. Well, they that. had Stephen Young on the cover of the New York Times Magazine not too yeah. long ago uh, for Minari. That's what this is about. It's, a, it's about uh, strategic publicity. The, the trick with Minari and... Um, and uh, Nomadland uh, is that they are small movies in, in fact. And, and part of that means that they don't have as much support from the crafts. Um, and, and there are a lot of movies like that this year. So, so you could see the father getting in for editing or, or production design, you know, or you, you could see very odd uh, uh, choices made. Nomadland has vulnerabilities because of its, um, uh, front runner status. What happens when someone catches up with a movie that's a front runner like that, even if it's real, is is that, is that it's overhyped. And I've I've heard people talk about the jarring juxtaposition of of professional actors and non professional actors. That didn't bother me. I was totally into the movie, and I'm going to see it again um, tonight, actually, uh, for the premiere. Uh, there's a there's an actual premiere and I'm going to I'm going to check it out again. I want to see how it plays uh, yeah. on the on the screen here. Yeah. I saw it at a uh, drive in. 
Yeah, I did. I didn't get a chance to do that. I remember seeing a bit of it when I went to the sound check at New York Film Festival, and certainly it was striking to see those images on the big screen. But also, it's less about those performances to me are totally convincing. It's less about that to me than it is what McDormand does to get on their wavelength. I, mean, I think I that's what's extraordinary, and I've heard I've heard sort of um, uh, you know uh, shocking stories of what she went you know was willing to go through in terms of of you know um, uh, basic bathroom functions and and yeah. stuff like that. You know, she went through yeah. it. She did it. She she walked the walk uh, as it as it were. That, but, that but, on the bucket. <laughs> But you and I, you and I are actually indie friendly, you know, and and we have um, you know, we have that. a lot of, of of understanding of 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 what goes into this kind of filmmaking and why uh, uh, this kind of cinema verite uh, hybrid movie making is really interesting. There are swaths of the Academy that are not so forgiving. And and that's where that's where Nomadland comes up against a movie like, say, Trial. The Trial of the Chicago Seven, which, which could win the Golden Globe, yeah. could be the one that moves forward with every box ticked, you know, without any vulnerabilities. And it's worth noting also that uh, Netflix just announced they're putting the thing on YouTube for free. For yeah, I saw that. I, I don't know how many people are watching it on YouTube who don't already have a Netflix account, mm -hmm. but it's certainly a, a smart. These are the ways movie. that they are cleverly trying to keep these these movies in the conversation. Um, I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling like I've seen every interview five times at this point. You know, of these same movies going on, but this is the longest Oscar season we've ever had. I also and think that's just the way this, it is. It, it, there's also this narrative of you know coming out of 2020, which a lot of people compared to 1968 in certain kinds of ways. There's like a, a, a kind of a re reckoning with that era and its reverberations today. And there are many have, movies that are, are yeah, riding so that wave, trial. including most of the ones we just listed. Yeah, there obviously Judas, Judas. and also MLK FBI is another one, right. which made the shortlist last week. So that's a trend. And if Trial is positioning itself as the ultimate embodiment, then certainly you could go that route. But with Judas picking up steam, I wonder how that's going to play out. So part of what's going on um, also is is that what were the I just want to make sure I mention some of the other ones that were uh, left out. Um, um, well, you know, the, it does seem significant that, you know, as you wrote, th these are less predictive than uh, than showing what's losing and, and gaining Heat, well, the so. ones that are gaining heater are Judas and the Black Messiah and Sound of Metal. Oh, yeah, the Charlie Kaufman movie. I'm thinking yep. of ending things. I thought that was a real contender. Clearly not. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, not to worry. Too much, maybe. To, that to was also that. a long time ago. Yeah. A really long time ago. So it's all, a lot of is, is what you've just seen, what's fresh in your mind. And but even so, Sound of Metal feels like it's been around for a while, growing steadily. It still is. Promising young woman, yeah. still growing steadily. I think those two, it's 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 significant because they came out at different. They they've been around on, as festival movies, but they came right. out later. So there was a different sort of life cycle for them. In That's the public, right. Which is better for, for them. Sound of Metal yeah. is, is fascinating to see how that movie continues to to linger and as Riz Ahmed's star power rises too it's like it's well, really he's so solid up. that he's ahead of, of of some of his competitors in the best actor race um and some people are actually thinking he could go all the way i don't think anyone takes chadwick boseman but 
but will or and that Anthony Hopkins is very strong still. Um, but anyway, the other the other movie that came in was your uh, favorite Borat subsequent movie film, which so is that's stupidly still an game. adapted screenplay because it's adapted from that's right another that's movie right. about Borat. But it's fine you know, if it gets into that category. So Ma Rainey got in. My Rainey got in, which is good. And it's News of the surprise. World is News showing the world, strength. A movie that seems to be you're saying it's like we're we're quote unquote indie people i don't know there, there are so many ways you can dev- break that down but when i look at news of the world you know i, I thought it was fine whatever it was not blown away by that movie that is the ultimate kind of academy movie for academy people who i don't really know and hang out with but you know i don't think i don't think you should look at it that way well I it's think, a reality i think there's room and there's a lot of room for movies of scale and scope, I use the word uh, all the time, but it's real. It's a Western. It's a big movie. It has real technology and filmmaking and skill applied to uh, horses and guns and, and uh, you know, big set pieces uh, with period uh, fabrics. <laughs> and, and but I just wasn't really blown design. away by that. I've it's, seen so some- much. It, the movie itself moved me. It's a father-daughter story. I was very touched by it. it, it and it also resonates with with the kind of um, forces that we're dealing with right now. I, I, I love this movie, and I'm glad to see that it's doing well. And I, it's a studio movie. So what? There's I always preferred, studio movies in the Oscar I, race. I preferred Tom Hanks' performance at the inauguration. I'm sorry. I just was <laughs> not convinced by this one. I've seen too many versions of it. Whatever. I did like the shootout with the, the, the guy from The Climb being the villain. That was cool. So That's because you like that. Michael Covino. Well, I thought I not... loved that movie, but I thought it was yeah, also yeah, funny yeah, to yeah. see that character. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. I wish there was more of that. I mean, just, anyway, the other the other adapted screenplay nominee that's worth acknowledging here, back to the Netflix of it all, is White Tiger, another late appearance of sorts that seems to have a lot of support and i think i've had that in my predicts all along i think that's a very strong script and people because it was on netflix people have seen it it's a popular movie people it's a popular movie all over the world Uh, it's probably of all the films that guy but robin barani has ever made this is by far (laughs) the biggest oh it is i mean that's the thing what's that's fascinating about his career is that his first couple of movies were these sort of tiny new realist art films that critics like me loved and then he didn't make any money on them because they, they were just hard to get out there. So then he goes and he makes these movies with like Dennis Quaid and Andrew Garfield and Michael Shannon that are solid, but just not as distinctive. And so the past decade, I think we lost some of that specialness that made him such a resonant filmmaker. And you see that come back in White Tiger while still working in a broader register. And the screenplay is something he worked on with this guy he went to college with. So, who wrote the novel yeah no it's it's, it's remarkable it's so that's quite a good story yeah it is one so one night in miami is in there with kemp powers adapting his own play um he, he and Regina king on saturday night live i thought that was a sad she was hilarious play. yeah she was, was like she was a game. sketch really impressive I mean, she knows obviously she's played this game a few times now oh my uh, god so. she's a total pro um, i mean she's been a, she's really been around a long time uh, it, it's not like she's uh uh, uh, new news. Uh, you know, at she, the she's end an of, actress. At That's the an end, asset for her in this whole, whole and thing. A, and a creative the way it was for Greta Gerwig. She exactly. It's a very similar story in that sense. She at the end of SNL was wearing when when the whole cast comes out for the credits. She was wearing this sweatshirt that said "Black Filmmaker." 
that was sort of gaining traction because I think it's some sort of DIY thing you can order online. And I thought that was really cool. You know, it's like sort of reminding people like, yeah, you know who I am and I'm fun, but also I directed a movie, you know, and that. Well, also, also that she, that she, uh, I liked the joke about how uh, she's been at the star of countless, countless movies aimed at black audiences. But if you're white, you know, her from Watchmen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, fine. That's what happened. But Watchmen, very savvy move, I think, to redirect that story as a, to the the way in which it talks about black identity I mean, none of that was in the alan moore comic so that was i think really great that it made her basically the star and probably it's, it's helping her in this situation too so um yeah. let's, let's and sound, so sound of metal got in again and, yeah. and judas got in again and promising you know, and palm springs, palm springs um, so another we'll one very interesting to see that one continue to stick around obviously another campaign that's continued um, and usually that's where the quirky comedy goes is to, into an original screenplay category. So if Charlie Kaufman doesn't get it, it goes to something a little bit uh, more resonant, I suppose. But it is a very clever screenplay in a way, taking the Groundhog Day. It's just Day so part. derivative of Groundhog Day. Yeah, no, but it is. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing is you use that as a framework and then you tell a different kind of story. It's more about you know, monogamy or whatever, but it, it does do some stuff structurally. That it's an entertaining movie, a clever, clever movie. And I enjoyed it as much as, as anyone else. We'll see where it goes. Uh, <laughs> I think Promising Young Woman is basically taking the slot that might have gone uh, to never, rarely, sometimes, always, which is, a, which is too bad. So that may end up having to be really an indie be spirit play. Yeah. Yeah. One is about sexual assault more prominently than the other one, which is more about teen abortions but it's also about style it's about a kind of of more um uh naturalistic filmmaking versus a very uh showy uh exercise in style i, I like suggest. both of those movies though i mean i think with with prouncing young woman the way it plays off expectation and genre is is, is quite fascinating whereas with never rarely i mean i haven't looked at the whole thing on the page but it has more to do with the pregnant pauses and so forth. And I would argue that Hitman has more control of her medium than yeah. Fennell does. That Fennell takes a lot of big shots in, in an ambitious way, and people are giving her credit for that. But she wasn't necessarily handling all the all the changes in in style and and scope and tone uh, that she uh, might have been. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a superficial comparison, but hey, it's Oscar season, so that was inevitable, I suppose. Well, that's what happens. You know it, I know it. So people should still pay attention to both of those movies, and we'll see how. I would like to hope they would. Let's look at the the probably the most controversial category here, at least for documentary filmmakers, which is documentary screenplay. What do you make of this category? It's it's very, this is a very crazy year, even more than usual. I, I think there were like 170 um, in the Oscar race um, eligible documentaries this year. It's more like 200 and you know way up there, um, and 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 it's it's um, they 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 have a committee that that looks at docs, and every year I always look at the PGA and WGA and DGA doc nominations, and I go, where did those come from? Because it's impossible to to see everything; you only see a slice. And they like Alex Gibney. They always nominate Alex Gibney, which is great. Yeah, you know, I, I don't get that. No problem what, with it. What does that even really mean? Because the thing is, I understand documentaries do have screenplays. There is a writing process. It varies from project to project, 
when you look at the films that are on here, okay, I haven't seen Herb Alpert is, but something like Red Penguins are totally under control. I mean, these are not boundary breaking, like say mole agent or profound verite experiences like collective there. No, it's about writing. So that by default means narration, which by default means that Alex Gibney, who narrates and structures his movies based on his writing, um, gets gets noticed and he's known and he's respected. And so that's why that happens. He totally under control was a question of marshalling all of this reporting and and putting it into some kind of of, uh, digestible form that you could understand what the hell was going on. And he did that. Yeah. Um, I just find and Mark Monroe is very but... well known for writing for filmmakers like Brian Fogel. Yeah. Um, yeah so and these are not, these the are dissident. not bad movies by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're, they're incredibly bad. In fact, totally under control and the dissident, you could argue, I mean, they, they added very important uh, conversations to the national table in the sense that they were bringing new information about the pandemic about freedom of speech and with all in you know i've said before that movie made me much more aware of the need to get involved in the election it's just that it it seems to send a weird message about the craft of documentary storytelling which is always well they're not this doesn't lend itself to applauding the kind of cinema verite embedded narrative that mall agent uh, represents it's just not you know this doesn't this doesn't help collective because collective is written in the editing room. It's not written. And, and so this is the writer's guild, you know, it's, it's a, it's, they it's its own they thing. Do. They do what they do, but a lot of them are also going to vote for the Oscars. So it is this question of, you know, are they also voting for these movies in the documentary? Category? All right. So the whole question of what's going on with the documentary and foreign language or international category is fascinating because I'm realizing how difficult it is this year to really uh, gauge the tastes of the groups that are voting for them. In the case of um, documentaries, the that is a branch that has burgeoned in recent years with the ad- additions of new members. And uh, fully 25% of that group is international now. Which is and awesome, the, the, the yeah and the Oscar it. the whole Oscar group is, at large is way bigger uh, internationally you know by even more than twenty five percent more like twenty nine percent all over the world so it's it's hard to and and the especially with the international uh, so we used to know exactly who those doc voters were and we may have a good sense still based on the past. But it just, if you look at the ones that, that um, got nominated last year, they were all foreign tilted. And the one that won, American Factory, you could argue, was also uh, about a foreign story uh, about China and America. So, so you have um, a movie like Gunda uh, or Naturno or uh, Collective or Painter and the Thief, and you wonder, uh, are they, or Mole Agent, are they going to lean into the international titles over domestic films like Crip Camp, Boys State? Do you see where I'm going? It's, and a, by and large, it's a question mark. I mean, they're, they're more cinematic movies. There's a lot more going on there. So it is a, it's, it's sort of also a fascinating contrast with the, the other movies you mentioned. I don't think any of them are bad. It's just that they're, they're more familiar 
kinds of storytelling. Well, Frank all Hansen in tried, uh, so. Fight for Democracy, where there's obviously a lot of emotion attached to what we just went through, um, turning Georgia blue uh, yeah. is is uh, is a big deal. But but it may be a very American uh, movie. Um, that is and, the and one so something with more Ford global Ford. appeal yeah. is more likely to make it in the end. So this is strictly the documentary branch. Now, the international is the whole academy. If they see all 15 movies, they can vote. They can do it. And I know people who are doing it this year who are actually trying to see, all, including me. I'm getting there. I am missing only three at this point. Yeah, you're I've, not I've an academy member, unfortunately. Serious Hopefully catching up. <laughs> I've been tracking it. I've been tracking it. I finally saw um, Aida Quovadis, the Bosnian film, which is extraordinary. Uh, really, really tough movie and very, very uh, upsetting and brilliantly done. Um, I caught up with Night of the Kings, the Ivory Coast submission, Very which strong. is brilliant as well. A prison Very movie, intense, kind of near extraordinary real. piece of theater, uh, actually, and and uh, storytelling. Um, I was very impressed by that, and uh, um, I saw La Llorona. How do you pronounce that? Is that right? La Llorona. I, I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling. Um, I studied French, not Spanish. What can I tell you? Um, so uh, that is um, that is also very strong, you know. So so there's and a lot you of have, entry. I'm no longer uh, here, which is the Mexican submission. This I had uh, seen. Yeah, that's a strong so, one. So it's a good year for Spanish. And language. then you have the old-fashioned front runners, like on another round, uh, you know, from Vinterberg and and uh, the uh, dear comrades from Konchalovsky, um, sort of. Yeah. Um, heading the pack as well they're we very popular last week this is a, a, such a strong list that people who are academy members who are really making that commitment i think they're going to have a hard time figuring I out i saw sun children going. too from iran that one is very good very heart tugging about children yeah uh, it's such a range homeless of, street children in iran and cultures and and storytelling styles genres i mean like you said I mean, another round is the front runner it just that's the crowd pleaser. The but. trouble with front runners is that they almost set themselves up for um, for Too being overtaken by then, something else. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But I mean, I think the story with that one, both in terms of the, you know, you've got the Mads factor and the dance he does in that movie, the Mads Mikkelsen dance. No, he'll get in. There'll be we're, we're talking about five nominations now, so it's just a question of which ones are going to make that final that final list. Like, I think Hope is a great movie, but it may finally succumb to something more hugely dramatic and, and we also uh, have this, um, heartfelt I, from, a, from I, a country like Bosnia. We also have this Taiwanese entry, which was sort of a surprise to a lot of people. It was just so much- um, A son. Yeah, the, the fact that that movie wasn't really visible and then wound up on some critics lists and word of mouth. And then all of a sudden it's yeah, everybody was getting on Netflix's ass for not promoting it yeah. properly. And sure enough, it made it onto the short list. Yeah. So either they must have done something right. Either it was word of mouth and then they realized they needed to get into it or they knew that keeping it in the conversation at a later point in time would be in its favor, but it certainly does seem to be. It's all a question of getting these things seen, you know, so, so that's how it works. Um, so I'm curious to see how these things play out. Um, it's, it's difficult though. It's difficult to, to be confident about 
how these movies are playing when you can't talk to people yep. that much. When you can't work the room and, and hear somebody who maybe had one glass of wine too many go off about the deep flaws of this or that filmmaker or you know their personal friends who made this or that movie all that kind of stuff is sort of in the digital ether this year in the dms and so forth. yeah I'm, I'm making some phone calls i mean that's what else am i gonna do yeah we're all we're all filling in the gaps the way we can and so next week i guess we've got our golden globes situation to figure out you'll be doing your predictions i'm curious to see how that comes together. Not that it'll necessarily change the state of the race, but it certainly could change a few things, right? I mean, you know, the Globes, uh, I keep uh, reminding everyone, uh, they're, they're not predictive at all, but they do have influence just at the time when uh, the voting is beginning. So, yeah, I mean, look, somebody it's wins. It's a question of momentum. And, uh, you know, if suddenly Francis McDormand wins or, or Anthony Hopkins or, or Glenn Close, you know, okay. then it could, you know, the dynamic could shift. Yeah, because if they, if they go on. Or if somebody gives a great speech. Speech, yeah, know. exactly. That's what I was going to say. I mean, it's it's not just as Frances McDormand win, but what, is, what does she say that makes an impact, especially after having, you know, one in recent memory? Yeah. You know, what, what can you say now? The Glenn Close thing is going to be fascinating to follow because of the conversation around, well, the Hillbilly Elegy, does anybody actually like that movie? And then you have uh, the whole like rematch of sorts with Olivia Coleman from The Father. And then does Maria Bakalova fly in between those three? I love the narrative that's forming. There. You do. You do. You're rooting. You're rooting for Keep Maria playing, Bakalova. Playing. I know your favorites. So but, I, but but the um you know the other there could be there's always surprises at uh, the Globes that end up not having any impact on the Oscars at all you yeah. know Rocket Man uh, you know Taron Edgerton did not end up getting nominated no. for the Oscars so yeah you know, they, they have those comedy music and I I don't think Sia kind of category. Sia is probably not going all the way this year but I guess we'll see I have not. Uh, had the pleasure of, of watching music for myself. I have to tell you that some friends of mine have watched the movie and enjoyed it. So um, uh -oh. I, I haven't made myself do that uh, <laughs> as yet. Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna gonna, I might have to watch something. Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but I enjoyed aspects <laughs> of it. Certainly those songs work. Forrest Whitaker sang for the first time in many years in his career. So that that's worth the price of admission, which is zero if you have a Netflix account. Um, I will say there, the movie that I, I finally caught up on, I wouldn't say finally because it just came out, but it was sort of in the ether, is Barb and Star, which is very funny. So I, I do recommend if you're looking for a guilty pleasure, maybe music needs to be seen for professional purposes, but Barb and Stars is a lot of fun. And the kind of thing. No, that... I should. I should definitely see it. I. I have three. Three more uh, foreign language movies to to All get right, through. Get through those. Wish, wish me luck. <laughs> and Barb and Star can be the little shiny prize at the finish line. So enjoy all of that, and I'll see you next week for Golden Globes talk. You got it. Bye. Thanks, Eric.